0: Welcome to Genia Conversations Redefining Healthcare. I'm your host, Andrea Durkin. Today, my guest is Anna Thomas. She's the Public Health Director for the City of Manchester, New Hampshire. We're discussing her department's work during the COVID-19 pandemic, health equity, and the role of data and analytics in public health. If you enjoy our conversation, follow us wherever you get your podcast to learn more about Genia and how technology and analytics are improving healthcare. Let's jump right in. Well, welcome to the Genia podcast. We're really glad you could join us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell me about you. Why have you chosen to work in public health for most of your career? You know, that's such a loaded question because,
1: you know, we work in public health because we love looking at uh, the world through a 30,000 foot set of eyes. You know, I I think I was very drawn to health in general um, in my younger years but certainly saw the need to do things at a much larger scale in whole communities. And that's what really caused me to study and prepare myself for larger scale initiatives in the community. And uh, we've you know, v- very fortunate where we've got very robust local health departments in the state of New Hampshire and on the local level in the cities. And um, it's been it's been a great ride.
0: As the public health director for the city of Manchester, I know your job is to improve the health of the population. And as you know, Jania does have an office in Manchester, but not all of our listeners are familiar with Manchester. So can you tell us about the city as well as your range of responsibilities? Sure,
1: so the city of Manchester um, has a population of about 112, people. It is the largest city north of Boston. And uh, it's a mid-sized city and we have a surrounding service area that we also work with, especially for public health preparedness reasons, that serves another uh, 70,000 residents in the surrounding towns. So the city is a long-standing mill town, a lot of history. Um, You still can see the mills when you visit Manchester. There's a river that runs through the city. There's an east side of the city, the west side of the city, a north end, a south end. And unfortunately, what also comes with larger communities and and urban centers are some of those challenges that really elevate the need for strong public health. And that's everything from community violence, to poverty, uh, to adverse childhood experiences among children, Um, and just an ever-changing population that keeps it diverse, which can be a source of strength, but then also can cause populations to disperse. And unfortunately we have a large um, population of individuals who are experiencing homelessness in parts of the city. But the contrast to a lot of that is the fact that we're also a metropolitan center and there's amazing businesses here and amazing academic institutions and lots of growth in other areas of the community, so we have this sort of tension of a community that is comprised of haves and have-nots, and we are trying to, in public health, a big part of our mission is to create neighborhoods of opportunity and access to good health care for everyone.
0: In, In your role, I wonder how do you use data and analytics?
1: So, what's interesting is it, in my personal journey, you know, I went to great lengths to um, add to my education. So, I had a graduate degree um, through Johns Hopkins um, School of Public Health and also with some schooling at Harvard and the Dartmouth Institute. And all of those studies rolled up into epidemiology as a foundation, which means. I love data and I'm very data driven. Everything I do now as public health director starts and ends with data. And it's everything from being able to measure the magnitude of public health issues facing this community to then threading that through interventions and evaluating their effectiveness and how it may or may not change health outcomes for the better. So, a big part of our work throughout public health is to quantify what we do. And to try to tell that story, you know, where do we need to go next? Where are the priorities? Where are their inequities? and how do we change those conditions so you know again, to try to create environments where everyone has equal opportunity?
0: What is health equity, and how are you tackling it in Manchester?
1: Yeah, so health equity, you know for us and the way we look at health equity is it's really creating systems that afford everyone the opportunity to thrive and um, achieve their greatest potential. So for us, equity is really about looking at anyone who may be at either a disadvantage or may be vulnerable because of a whole series of factors. And when you look at um, it, organizations like the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, they have great ways to kind of show how, you know, a definition of equity would be, you um, The traditional way would be everyone gets a bike. And a newer way to think about it is everyone gets a bike that works for them. And trying to create conditions that give people whatever they need to be the best that they can. So where we see disparities in the community are certainly populations um, that have completely been unearthed by the pandemic as well. So racial ethnic disparities but also other vulnerable populations, like those who are living below poverty, those who um, are frail and older, those who may have mobility limitations or other um, conditions that prohibit them from being able to access the things that would promote their health. So all of those things are in our systems design thinking. We're always wanting to change things across systems so that really helps to lift people up and give them that hand up and not necessarily the hand out.
0: are parts of your job, do they keep you awake at night? Yes, I'm asked
1: that question quite often, especially through this pandemic. I've had a lot of sleepless nights and I continue to have sleepless nights. I think the one thing that does keep me up at night the most are our children, our most our most young, and then Our aging, you know, and and how are we equipping a community around healthy aging? You know, and we're not really, because we're a mill town, we never designed the city to um, accommodate an aging population. We're not exactly age friendly. We are in certain areas of the city, but not across the city. So that's a big part of what needs to change for the future as we see populations growing and living longer. And we certainly want to have. Um, every child in our community start with a healthy start and be given the same opportunities to then flourish throughout their lifetime.
0: I wonder, you know we talked a little bit about the pandemic, and you mentioned some ways it has impacted you in the city. are there are there other ways that it has impacted the work that you do in the city of Manchester?
1: Yeah, I think with every public health director, you know we do our work very quietly in public health, and in fact, we often joke about we take the fun out of life and Um, We are also the ones who kind of do our work in such a way that you don't hear about it until it goes wrong. So when the health department shows up, you know, a lot of people are not very happy to see us, unfortunately. But, you know, we have a job to do, and, and some of our job includes policy development enforcement, and not everyone's going to agree with the decisions that you make or the things that you have to enforce but then on the flip side, people are very grateful when somebody's thinking futuristically and in a big way on behalf of their community and trying to prevent things from happening before they occur. That's really the essence of what public health is. We work in population-based scales, but our priority is to try to prevent or revert these conditions from ever happening that may plague the community for generations to come. And that's... that's the loftiest of goals is how do we get to things? How do we get bef- ahead of that epic curve? And certainly, the pandemic. Um, some of the sleepless nights for me are are, are knowing that we've lost about um, 220. I think was our latest count residents, and many of them were living in long-term care facilities, um, like we've seen across the country. But Knowing that we now have a vaccine and we didn't get it out in time to get to those individuals and those families and I I lost my father during the pandemic and I know firsthand what that feels like watching a loved one who's in a long term care facility that you can't be there for um, and having them be isolated. So, you know, I, I personally wear that like a coat, that, that burden of knowing that we did not save everyone's life, we didn't prevent all of the cases, um, that responsibility is something I will take with me for the rest of my life. But it's it doesn't just solely land on COVID. You know, it, it also lands on the overdose deaths that we have in this community or, you know, the childhood deaths that we have, you know, for injuries that could have been prevented. You know, there's there's lots of conditions that when you work in this field, you feel very emotional about because we know that this is what is defining our quality of life and our wellness. And if I have an opportunity to make a dent in that for the better, then that's my mission. That is that is why I'm here.
0: Well, I'm so sorry I did not know that about your father. Like, I'm so sorry that you were touched by the pandemic in that way. Yeah, thank you. Yes, just part of,
1: a lot of experiences that unfortunately many people have had, but it did make me so much more appreciative of what we all have and for the lives that we did save or the cases we did prevent, you know, that it, it gave me a higher value that those things are that much more precious. And we, we need to remember that those are our, the blessings we need to count every day.
0: I noticed that you were recently honored as the Manchester Chamber of Commerce Citizen of the Year. How does that feel?
1: (laughs) Well, it was shocking, you know, and I thought we were going to have a meeting at the city's emergency operations center at the fire department, which was all staged by the mayor and the police chief and the fire chief. And I thought we were going to talk about homelessness, which is a really important topic. And I was sitting there and they had strategically planned sort of, you know, a, a, a whole reveal, you know, and they, they brought the chamber folks in and, and some of the community partners. And I, I cannot tell you, I'm still numb from the recognition. And in my head, I can't get my arms around it because there are just so many people who have worked so hard during this pandemic, have sacrificed for, you know, so many people in this community. Um, I'm just one of them along with them. So I, I can't say enough about the team I have around me, you know, that it's, it's really easy to, you know, get an award or recognition. I feel very good about that, but what really needs to be recognized are all of these people who are with me every single day. Um, we have a team of about 70 full and part-time staff who, Many of them are um, nurses. More more than half of our staff are nurses. And many of them are out there either testing people for COVID or following up with people who have COVID. Many of them are school nurses and are out in the schools every day caring for our children. Um, This is a real tough time for all of them. And they've all given 110%. They've all sacrificed time away from their families. They've all been personally affected by this as well and they all have that mission and you know drive to do what's best for this community. So, you know, I'm humbled by their service. And it's certainly, you know, humbling to receive a recognition like this, but it has to go to that team. That is that is what has fueled all of our work in this community. I could not be more proud.
0: It was so great to have you on as a guest. I hope as you, um, as we come out of the pandemic or the pandemic changes, um, that you'll think about coming back in a year, or 18 months and talking about how the city's been changed and how perhaps your work has been changed by the next iteration of the pandemic or, or post pandemic world.
1: Yes, absolutely. I would love to do that. We need to talk about the future of all of our work, you know, and predictive analytics and you know smarter ways of working together. That is what I am excited to start you know sort of facing as a community because we've learned a lot, we've come a long way, we've achieved a lot, uh, but there's certainly places that we can make some serious
0: inroads and I am hungry to do that. Thank you to Anna Thomas and to you for joining us. If you enjoyed our discussion and want to hear more like it, subscribe to Genia Conversations on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The views, information, or opinions expressed by the guests of Genia Conversations Redefining Healthcare are their own and do not necessarily represent the policy or position of Genia LLC. Many thanks for listening.